Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Nicole A. Williams, who is running as the delegate for District 22 in Maryland. There's nothing better than getting inspired. I know, it's cheesy, but think about it. That feeling you get when you hear or read or see something that just reignites your passion and your drive. Something that reaffirms decisions that you've made and the path that you're on. Today, I got that from an unlikely place, the dictionary. Dictionary Dictionary.com announced the 2017 word of the year, and it's a good one, complicit. I recommend reading the whole article on Dictionary.com about why they chose complicit as the word of the year. It's so good and thought-provoking, and I couldn't improve upon what they wrote about being and not being complicit because, you know, it's a dictionary. Great words are their thing. So instead, I'm going to read part of the article that got me all jazzed up. We chose our word of the year in part because of noteworthy stories of those who have refused to be complicit. In the face of oppression and wrongdoing, this refusal to be complicit has been a grounding force of 2017. We saw an estimated 5 million people participate in the Worldwide Women's March on January 21st. We saw NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick's 2016 protest against systematic injustices gain even more traction in response to President Trump calling for players who kneel during the national anthem to be fired or suspended. We saw women, as well as people of all genders, come forward with personal stories of sexual harassment and assault with the hashtag MeToo. We saw high-profile resignations from the Trump administration, perhaps most memorably from the Arts Council, who submitted their letter of resignation in the form of an acrostic spelling the word resist. We must examine our own behavior and ask ourselves some difficult questions. Could I have spoken out in the past and didn't? Did I go along with something because it was the path of least resistance? Silence does not always equal complicity. We must consider the very real reasons why we choose not to speak out. This includes fear of retaliation, fear of endangering one's safety or the safety of loved ones, or knowledge that nothing will change. Silence may come from a place of self-preservation. Those whose lives have been negatively impacted by assault or violence or social injustices don't owe their stories to anyone. It's important to remember that sometimes speaking out is a privilege in itself. Our choice for word of the year is as much about what is visible as it is about what is not. It's a word that reminds us that even inaction is a type of action. The silent acceptance of wrongdoing is how we've gotten to this point. We must not let this continue to be the norm. If we do, then we are all complicit. Okay, I have kind of a random question at first. Sure. How did you pick your colors? <laughs> because usually it's <laughs> red and blue, but you've got red and yellow, and it looks so good. Oh, thank you. So my colors, it's kind of a twofold, uh, multi-layered reason why I picked those colors. Um, when I ran the last time, red and yellow were my colors then as well. And for me, one of the things I tried with my campaign, I wanted to I wanted people to have a very positive feeling about my campaign. I want people to look at us in a very hopeful, positive, and inspiring way. 
And yellow is just one, one of those colors that it's, you know, I, when I was talking to my graphic designer, I said, I want to be like a ray of sunshine mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for people. And, you know, one of the things people always talk about is like, oh, you have such a great smile and, you know, I'm always cheerful and happy. And so I wanted that happiness to come across. I want this whole experience to be fun for myself and for the people who are helping me. Um, and I want to run a positive campaign on a message of collectively together as a community, we can really effectuate change in our community. And so that's, and also yellow is great for t-shirts. You really stand out yes. in a parade. <laughs> um, and so I really, so yellow was just a very prominent thing. And then the red, um, the Maryland state flag, I don't know if you ever paid attention to the colors in the Maryland state flag, but the flag colors are actually red, yellow, and black. And oh, okay. so also, so it's also a play off of the Maryland flag. The red, it's also a symbol sort of my sorority. I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And so our colors are crimson and cream. And so that's also where the red comes from. And then I consciously did not realize this, but someone uh, mentioned to me when they saw my literature and my colors, they were like, and they know that I am a Washington football team fan. I don't like to use their actual mm, name. Yeah. Um, and so they were like, oh my God, you really are a Washington football team fan because your colors are the same colors as the team. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I didn't realize that, but yes, they are. <laughs> Well, they look great. They really work together. And it's, you know, it's nice to see something different like that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So let's get you officially introduced here. Okay. So who are you and for what are you running? Sure. Uh, my name is Nicole Williams and I am running for state delegate here in Maryland uh, to represent Maryland's 22nd legislative district in the state house in Annapolis. And where is the 22nd District located? Sure. The 22nd District is located in the northern part of Prince George's County, Maryland, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. And so I have the best of both worlds in the sense I live a stone's throw from the Capitol. I literally, during non-rush hour, can drive from my house to the United States Capitol in 25 minutes. Um, oh. <laughs> Uh, mind you, I said during non-rush hour. During rush hour, it's probably more like an hour and some change. Uh, but that's just, you know, D.C. traffic. And so, but I also, you know, live in Maryland, which is a beautiful state. Uh, we have a huge coastline um, with the Chesapeake Bay and, and the ocean right there. And, you know, from one end of the state to the eastern shore all the way to the other end of the state in western Maryland, where we have beautiful mountains and, you know, there's snow ski resorts in the wintertime and black bears in the winter if you go venturing through the woods there. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a very diverse state um, in terms of topography and geography and people. And so I, I feel very fortunate to to live here, uh, you know, with so much going on and such diversity. Did you say black bears? There are black bears in Western Maryland, yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> because that area of Western Maryland, it borders, so the western part of Maryland borders West Virginia, Western Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, and so that entire area, you know, it's actually very mountainous, um, very wooded, and they have been known to 
you know, there are black bears in that. I personally have never seen them, um, but I have gone skiing um, over in uh, over in that area before. So, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So why did you decide to run? I guess it was a combination of a lot of different things. I actually had been working kind of behind the scenes for a number of years for a number of of different candidates and had worked on a number of campaigns over the years and was very content actually and just really helping good people uh, get elected to public office. Mm -hmm. And it was, wasn't until I went to an event, it was actually during Women's History Month. And the keynote speaker of that event was a woman by the name of Gloria Lala, who was a former state senator from Prince George's County. And she was also the former secretary of aging under Governor Martin O'Malley's administration. And she was talking about the importance, and this was pre-Hillary. So this was, uh, oh gosh, I don't even remember how long ago this was. This must have been probably back in 2009 or so. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about the importance of women being in elected office and kind of what women bring to the table. You know, we are... You know, we're homemakers. We are the ones who are running the household and balancing the checkbook. And but we also have these very dynamic careers as doctors and lawyers and engineers and teachers. And um, and so, you know, we bring a lot of different skill sets to the table that I think a lot of times women take for granted. And she so, you know, it was it was really honestly the first time in my personal life I ever even contemplated the idea of, oh, maybe I could run for office. I never thought of it like that. You know, I thought, you know, I'm just this young woman, I'm a lawyer and yeah, you know, but I don't have like these string of credentials behind my name and a a thousand pieces of work that I've done over the years that one would kind of think that you need. But I do have life experiences and I and am a young professional woman. And so all of those things come into the play and that's something that I can bring to the table. And so from that moment forward, you know, I sort of started, I was always involved in my community, but just sort of in the back of my mind thought, maybe I might run for office one day. And um, a couple people had approached me a couple of years ago about applying to this program called Emerge Maryland. And they're like, you know, you've been involved for a long time, Nicole, you really should think about running for office. If you are thinking about running for office, you really should participate in this program which is a training program uh, for Democratic women who are thinking about running for office. And so I participated in the program and it really, it it was, for me personally, it was a game changer, especially when I did the program. Um, This was, I had ran for delegate in 2010. So after hearing Secretary Lala, I kind of, I did step out there and ran for office and I wasn't successful, but it was a really good experience. Uh, but I wasn't certain if I was going to run again after that. And so some people had encouraged me to do Emerge. And I did the program. And actually in the middle of the program, and once again, I really wasn't trying to run for office right then and there. I was like, I'll do the program maybe, you know, after a while, after I get my legal practice established for another 10 years or something, maybe I'll run again then. And at that time, my one of my state delegates had approached me and was like, I need to speak with you, Nicole. We should talk. And she uh, told me that there was a vacancy in our district for our Democratic Central Committee. And she saw that I had been really involved in the district and really involved in the community. And she wanted to know if that would be something I would be interested in running for. And I honestly hadn't thought about it until she said something to me about it. 
And so I gave it some thought and decided, sure, I will do that. And so I ran in 2014 and I won, um, representing my district on our Democratic Party Central Committee. And so I've been doing that for the last three and a half years or so. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was some, possibly some movement in our district and a couple people were like, have you, you know, you should think about running for delegate again. You would be a huge asset in Annapolis, uh, especially with the work that I do professionally as a real estate attorney. There's lots of attorneys in public office, but not a lot who actually do with real estate issues. And so a lot of people had encouraged me um, to run again. And so I gave it some thought and I said, okay, I think I can do this. And so that's kind of how I'm, where I'm at now. <laughs> So why you and why now? Um, Why me um, and why now? I think right now there's so much going on just across the country and really across the world as it relates to, especially as it relates to women and children and healthcare and those types of things. And there's, you know, I, I, I just feel like there's this movement going on right now across the country of just a, how did I describe it? A clamoring for progressive values and mm-hmm. really values that are about everyday people, what I call bread and butter issues, you know, what Senator Mikulski calls macaroni and cheese issues, <laughs> you know, the things <laughs> that affect everyday people's lives. And, you know, especially with what's going on in D.C. And unfortunately, I hear about it all the time, um, you know, with this tax bill and everything else. We really do need people in Annapolis and in our state houses who are really going to be on the ground pushing back against what is going on in Washington Um, and really trying to do all that we can do as a state to protect our residents from losing their health care, from losing, you know, the benefits that they might receive, um, whether it's, you know, from WIC or through SNAP and things like that. You know, I, I so th- that that's honestly kind of one of the reasons kind of that kind of propelled me, you know, with uh, Hillary Clinton's loss in last November a year ago, um, I was probably like a lot of other people devastated. I mm-hmm. literally cried for days on end because I was just like, oh, my gosh, what will the future of this country be like? You know, I'm an African-American woman. You know, when Trump says make America great again and want us to take us back to the 1950s, that means he's saying that he's trying to take away my right to vote. That means for mm-hmm. me, he's trying to take away my right to, for equality. That means that he's trying to take away my right to be able to choose what I want to do with my body. That means that's what that's the message that I hear when he says, let's make America great again. I feel like he is trying to take away all of the progress that we have made as a society over the last 50 years. And I don't want to go back to that. So that's why. That's why now, because the stakes are too high. The stakes are absolutely too high. What have you learned from your previous campaigns that you're applying to this campaign? Sure. So one of the things I learn from my previous campaign, you know, you always reflect on what could I have done better? And I would say probably the biggest thing, though I had worked on other campaigns, I never really worked on the finance side of 
other of campaigns previously. And that was one of the things that I really struggled with um, when I ran for delegate. And so one of the things that I tried to do um, after losing that race and before running this time is really getting comfortable with fundraising and getting comfortable with asking people for money. Um, it's one of those ugly, unfortunate things that as candidates we have to deal with um, until we can get true campaign finance reform in this country. Unfortunately, we have to raise money. And so I served for four years on the board for NARAL Pro-Choice Maryland here in Maryland. And for two of those four years served as chair of our C3 board. And so that forced me to have to raise money for a cause that I believe in. And we were very successful during my time on the board and also as chair in really increasing the amount of money uh, that we were raising uh, to support a wonderful organization that advocates for reproductive justice um, here in Maryland. And so just doing those types of things, getting me comfortable with asking people for money, uh, if I, for, you know, for causes that I believe in, and in turn, hopefully being able to translate those skills to asking people to support me um, if I decided to run. So I would say that's the biggest thing that I took away from that campaign. What has the process of running been like for you so far? It's been really good and <laughs> stressful good. all at the same time. Um, I, I haven't gotten a whole lot of sleep, but that's okay. Um, but it's been very positive. And I feel one of the things I think because I have run, ran before, I, one, have a very good team in place, and I feel so much more organized this time than I did last time. And I think part of that is because I know more of the process. I know what to expect. And so when things come up, I'm not taken off guard or outside of my comfort zone because I've seen these things before. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, and I would tell anyone who's thinking about running for office, Take the time. One of the things we did is took a lot, a lot of time of really getting super, super, super organized. And because it makes the process go so much more smoother. And that's hard for me because I'm a very anxious person sometimes. I just like to just, you know, I'm like, I'm running for office. Let's go. Like, I'm ready to go <laughs> right then and there. Let's go run. And luckily, I had great people around me that said, no, Nicole, let's slow down and really get your organization set up. So when you hit go, it really is just gonna run like an automatic machine. And that's really what has been going on. You know, we got the volunteer list all organized and sorted out. We didn't sit down and really toiled over the field plan and really toiled over the finance plan and really just made sure we had all of these systems in place um, before we did hit that go button. And so when we hit go, we had a team of volunteers ready to hit the ground running right then and there. We had already, I had already started raising money behind the scenes. And so it was, you know, a matter, we had money in the door to pay for t-shirts right away and to pay for lit and a lot of other things that you need the website to start up a campaign. And so, you know, we didn't have to struggle with those things already at the very beginning. And so I just, while the days are very long and sometimes a little taxing because I'm also still working full time right now, 
I, I know what I'm doing all the rest of this week coming up. And I know what I'm going to be doing the rest of this month because we've already laid it out. And I know how many doors I have to hit this weekend. And I know how many doors I have to hit next weekend. And we already have the volunteers scheduled to do that. So it's, 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 it's very, I feel great, um, mm-hmm. but also very tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you always been political? No. Um, I don't come from a political family. Um, I was never, you know, my mom, it's so funny. She's like, I don't know where you get this from. And I said, well, I sort of actually kind of got it from you. Um, I was like, you're one of the most opinionated people I know. (laughs) And, you know, my mom always had an opinion about something. um, But she always, you know, we always watched the news and read the paper and was always very aware of what was going on in our community. And my mom was involved in like the PTA and, you know, when I was in uh, swim class and, you know, taking music lessons, she was one of those moms, you know, who would, you know, transport everybody to music class this week and things like that. Um, But we weren't a political family. We were just really involved in the community, just generally. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't start looking at politics Um, in terms of getting involved, honestly, until I was in law school um, was when I first started getting involved. And I went to University of Pittsburgh for law school. And one of my law school classmates was actually the son of the former mayor of Pittsburgh. And I, you know, lived in this community in Pittsburgh called Shadyside. And so I knew I knew him. He was like a year ahead of me in law school, but I actually knew his brother even better because his brother actually owned a bar down the street from where I lived at. (laughs) (laughs) And so his older brother. So we would always go over there for drinks and after a while getting to know him and his brother. And they were super obviously because they were in a political family were Mm -hmm. super involved in local politics. And so through them, I slowly I became introduced to local politics in Pittsburgh and that was the first time I, I had ever volunteered on a campaign. And that's kind of sort of when I started to really get the bug. And it was also around that same time when Al Gore was running for president. So now I've just totally aged myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Al Gore was running for president. And I was, you know, it's something very interesting about seeing that whole thing, Bush v. Gore, and also taking constitutional law all at the same time. And <laughs> you're like, what in the world? And I literally remember uh, going into con law class that day. And my con law teacher was like, screw the syllabus. We're talking about this Bush v. Gore thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really kind of sort of how it got started for me. <laughs> so where can people find you? either online or in person? Do you have any events coming up? Yeah, so online, uh, my website is just simply NicoleAWilliams.com is the website. I am on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram under all of those, uh, under that same name. In terms of events, I don't have any specific events lined up just yet. Uh, We just finished a big fundraising event that was about a week and a half ago, which went really, really well. Um, And we were, so I live in the city of Greenbelt, which is, I have seven municipalities in my district and Greenbelt is uh, geography wise and population wise, the largest municipality in my green, in, in my district. And so at that event, we were endorsed by the former mayor of Greenbelt, who she's also the mayor pro tem, uh, Judith J. Davis, 
And so now we're gearing up and starting to schedule our next event. So I would say go to my website and stay tuned uh, because we will have <laughs> something coming up shortly. Um, I just don't want to announce just yet because we haven't solidified all the details. But yeah. yeah. So how can people get involved with your campaign? Um, sure. So you can definitely sign up via either the website um, to volunteer or honestly, I'm very, if you hit me up on Facebook, I'll respond pretty quickly um, or Twitter or Instagram. Um, just, you know, you can send me a direct message or a post on my page like, hey, I want to help out. Or, you know, honestly, you can call me on my cell. So my cell, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I, I, I try to be totally accessible. Like I, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those pretentious people like, oh, you got to talk to my person to schedule me. Like, nah, all that crap. You want to help out? We would love to have you. Uh, like I said, you know, we're all about trying to have a good time while, you know, reaching out to everyone in the district about what people care about and what their concerns are and have a good time in the process of doing it. So, Well, I think you're doing that because all your pictures of your events and your volunteers, everybody looks so happy. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> so last question. Uh-huh. What advice do you have for a woman who is thinking about running for office? Right. So I would say do it. (laughs) Um, And and I know that's easier said than done. But one of the things with women is that we have a tendency to think that we have to have like all these credentials and have done like a gazillion things in the community before we are even remotely qualified to run for office. And men, they don't have those issues. They're just like, I'm 21 years old and I'm just going to run for office. I've never had a job. I've never done anything else ever in my life. But that's irrelevant. I'm just going to run for office. (laughs) And so do not discredit what you have done, whether it's, you know, serving on your PTA, whether it was being the leader for your kids, Girl Scout troop, all of those things have prepared you to be a great public servant because you understand what, you know, what people are going through on a day-to-day basis. And, you have a skill set that you should not disqualify. Um, and so I would say, you know, don't hesitate about it. But also at the same time, definitely have a conversation with your family and friends. Because when you run for office, it's not just you running for office. It's really your entire family right. running yeah. for office. And so you definitely want to make sure you have a very strong conversation with your family about what that will mean, what that will look like and how you're going to manage your household. Um, You know, who's going to handle the laundry because mommy is out at, you know, community meetings till 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Who's going to take the kids to soccer? You know, working out all of those logistics and making sure you have a really good support system um, in place because there are going to be days while I'm saying, you know, it's fun. There are days where I'm just like, why am I doing this again? And you need somebody who you can talk to or shoulder to cry on every now and again. And that's okay if you need to shed a tear every now and then to get through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It will happen, trust me. Um, but it, you know, it, it's I'm not gonna say it's easy, but it's definitely rewarding. And so I would say if you do have a passion to serve. I would say I think you should do it and try to, you know, lay the foundation to make sure that you can run a very solid and successful campaign. That is great advice. 
thanks for chatting with me. This has oh, been great. No problem. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity. So. And that's it for today. Huge thanks to Nicole Williams for chatting with me. She's really impressive and inspiring, and everyone should go follow her and support her campaign. Find her at NicoleAWilliams.com. She's also on Facebook at Nicole Williams for Maryland and on Twitter at at NWilliams23. Thanks for listening. You guys are the best. Um, I've gotten a couple of really great suggestions lately on who I should have on the pod, and I flippin' love that. <laughs> I want you to know that I am just as excited about these female candidates that you're suggesting as you are. Um, so I want to know who else you're excited about. Email me at she's running pod at gmail.com. If you know of an awesome woman who's running for office, or if you are an awesome woman running for office, you can also tweet me at she's running pod and tell me who you want to see. I'm always looking for suggestions and I will try to talk to as many female candidates as I can. You can find and follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at she's running pod. We try to share all kinds of great stuff on social, and I try to make it different on each channel, so please check us out. And that's it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.